Well, hey, everybody. It's Mike. It's good to talk to you. It's only been like a week or two since the first Mike's Multiverse episode. I don't honestly remember. It feels like last week, but it might have been the week before last. Uh, hopefully not more than that. <laughs> but I'm back with another episode. That's just me talking into a microphone. And it's funny how for so long I dreaded ever doing this again. <laughs> like sitting in a room alone talking into a microphone. And now how it feels like an old pair of jeans, um, which if you listen to episode one, you understand why that has changed. Anyway, I have two announcements and then something I want to talk to you about that I think is important and cool that has to do with the title of this episode. Uh, announcement number one, I've decided I'm going to do an Ask Science Mike throwback episode. So I'm going to do the theme song and the do-do-do-do's and the editing and all the things right on this podcast feed. So if you want to submit a question to one episode only of Ask Science Mike, you can email mike at vesser.com. That's V-E-S-S-E-R.com. Make sure the subject is Ask Science Mike question, and I'm going to do an episode. I don't know when. I'm super busy. I just want to do it like for fun, hobby style, not work style. I'll probably like edit it together, you know, and record it on some Sunday or holiday or something. Uh, so I don't know when it's coming, but it will show up on this feed. So if you have a question that you would have sent to Ask Science Mike back in the day, those questions are fine again now. You can email like text and I'll read it. Or if you want to record yourself like on your voice memo app on your phone and then email that, then I'll edit you right into the episode. So, yeah, it's coming back. Ask Science Mike. I don't even know why. I just think it would be fun. That's announcement number one. Announcement number two, uh, really bad things are happening in Israel-Palestine. And uh, the internet is full of bad takes, just, just packed with bad takes all across the political spectrum in the United States. So uh, let's be better about that. And I can, I can help you be better about that. If you go to telosgroup.org, that's T-E-L-O-S group.org, you can sign up for an email address there. They have a podcast. They have literal classes you can take. Like you can learn about the history of the region and then take a class to test how much you learned. And they are an organization that describes themselves as pro-Israel, pro-Palestine, pro-peace. They are wonderful. They are made up of policy experts and international affairs and politics experts and people who actually live, work, and be and are from Israel and Palestine. Okay? So they're the best sort of objective source I know of. They're the people I went to Israel and Palestine with a few years ago and, uh, They'll teach you how to be a peacemaker and how to be an active part of the solution to the problem uh, that's happening over there that the United States plays a huge role in both creating the problem and perpetuating it. Uh, so as Americans, um, we can't just say, well, it's too complicated. It's an ancient conflict or whatever we usually say. Uh, that's not actually true. Okay. Telosgroup.org. That's the announcements just to... Now let's get into what I'd like to talk to you about today, and that is the fact that you should play. Uh, you know, if you followed my career, I'm rarely perspic 
uh, prescriptive. I'll like share things I've learned and share things experienced. And I'll say like, you know, if, if this resonates with you, you know, take it as much as you'd like or disregard what doesn't work. And today I am saying you, yes, you should, yes, should play. Which is probably a weird thing to say. Uh, but I've noticed that there are three really pressing problems in society right now. And they've been getting worse since 2020. They were bad before 2020, but they the, the rate of deterioration has accelerated. Problem number one is a loneliness epidemic. People are lonelier than they've ever been before. This is older people and younger people. This is people of all different intersections of identity are lonelier than they've ever been. And that's really bad for a social species like us. Related to that is desocialization. Uh, lockdown was really bad for everyone's mental health and social skills. Everyone. Doesn't matter whether you agreed with lockdown as a policy or disagree with lockdown as a policy. Totally relevant to my point. It desocialized you. I know it desocialized me. We got rusty at interacting with other people. And that has affected the way we relate to each other in friendship and the way that we talk to and treat people that we don't know. And, and, and research tells us this is happening on a, a significant scale. Uh, the third problem is polarization and radicalization. Um, now, I, I happen to be pretty darn far on the political left and you could easily say that I've been radicalized. So I'm not saying that strong opinions about politics are bad or differing ideologies or, or different ideas on how society should be run. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is polarization as exists today uh, operates generally more as an impediment to us making significant progress on our problems than an implement, uh, an aid, okay? And uh, I say that as a, a white leftist because nothing makes people want to be a leftist more than a white leftist. <laughs> That's a joke. That absolutely makes people not want to listen to leftism because white leftists can be obnoxious. So... Um, Polarization is a real issue. Uh, now, the, the things that cause polarization, polarization are real. I'm not saying we should ignore or bury our problems. I'm not presenting some kind of a centrism bias thing. It's not what I'm saying. I'm saying loneliness, desolarization, and polarization are making people miserable and making it hard to make any meaningful progress to making all of our lives better. That's the thesis, okay? That's 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 what I'm stating as the problem. And I'm saying one of the solutions to all three of those problems is play and playing together with other people. Does that sound like a huge stretch? <laughs> I don't think it is. I think the research backs it up. If you look at any of the research and you Google research on play or play mental health or whatever, uh, you'll get tons and tons and tons of research on the incredible cognitive, emotional, and social benefits of play. And 
if you try to play as an adult, it's really hard. We don't really remember how to play. Uh, when we were kids, play comes naturally to us as part of social development. We become adolescents. Adolescents associate play with being infantile and start to create social stigmas against it. People who are a little out of step with uh, their peers in terms of social development will continue to try to play. And everyone, I mean, everyone has a story of when they tried to play and were shut down. And then that creates a shame response. And then our nervous systems start to inhibit us from getting into a play space. But if we do play, what does it do? It makes us less lonely when we play with other people. It gives us a social context to interact with people both that we know well and we don't know well yet at all. And it allows us in a play space to be aware of the commonalities of the human experience. And I've always believed, that's not true, more recently I've believed that it's important to acknowledge both the commonalities of the human experiences and the parts of the human experience that are unique to individual people or subsets of the human population. And we have to hold those two things in tension to really relate well to other people. So this problem, we don't know how to play. You can see people trying to lean into it in different means. Number one, I think it's why sports is so popular. Most media, uh, traditional media, is in decline, especially with Gen Z and Gen Alpha. But not sports media. Sports media is popular with everybody. Why? Because we watch play together. We get in a more playful mindset around sports. Uh, but we can't necessarily be super participatory or play ourselves in sports media. And uh, so we play board games together or video games. And that's wonderful. Uh, and that lets us play, but it doesn't activate the full richness of play, which includes pretend. Pretend better taps into our creative faculties as people. So play and pretend tends to be out of reach for most people, uh, which is why for the last two years, I've been building a tabletop role-playing game. Actually, a couple and a setting for that to happen in. Uh, because... <laughs> I can't help it. I'm always motivated by social impact and change more than other incentives that exist in society. Not terribly money motivated. Um, I'm best apathetic towards money. Antipathetic, <laughs> probably more realistically. Um, but I do care about social impact. You all know that. That's why I did the author podcaster thing for so long. But a TTRPG, a tabletop role-playing game like Dungeons & Dragons, really helps access social play and pretend. Number one, it gives you a scaffold for social interaction way better than any icebreaker you've ever heard of, right? There's a set of rules. There's stuff you do to get into the game. There's a lot of community rituals that are taught and handed to new people entering the community. And you just start playing, and it's not awkward. Number two, there's rules. Why is rules important? Well, rules create a structure and a rigor that kind of let the adult self allow the child self out to play again. Because, well, it's like, this is not embarrassing or cringe. There's a rule book and dice. So this is very actually serious stuff, uh, very formal. It's okay to pretend in this serious framework. Um, and then the other thing I really like about TTRPGs and pretend is it gives you a step of distance from your own life experiences because you're playing as your player character, not as yourself. 
And when life is as hard as it is for as many people as it is for, both in the present and in their past, a player character is an excellent avatar to one, kind of re-experience your own life, and number two, experience things you have not experienced in your life at all. It's a great way to learn about yourself and to learn about other people. Um, so TTRPGs are really, really awesome. Uh, and I think you should play one, like, as soon as possible. Dungeons & Dragons is the most popular one in the world. Uh, there's lots of resources out there. Uh, Pathfinder is a great system. Uh, you know, Mothership is really good if you want to play a horror game. There's tons and tons of systems out there. Uh, but that introduces another problem. It's relatively hard to find people to play a game with in uh, the TTRPG space. If you don't already know someone who's a TTRPG nerd, it's not the easiest community to jump into. Um, and that's kind of the problems we've been trying to solve with uh, the World of Vesser project. Um, you know, like TTRPGs are kind of, a lot of the IP out there is is old, decades old. It's not really representative or inclusive of audiences today. Dungeons and Dragons would be exhibit A there. TTRPGs can be really hard to learn and intimidating because of that. They take a long time to play, three to six hours per session. And because of that, it's hard to get friends who don't play to try playing. And even friends who do play, it's hard to get everybody to show up on a weekly basis or even a monthly basis to play for four or six hours. Who has that kind of time? That's not me. <laughs> and trying to find people to play with. So we're trying to solve all those things uh, with the World of Esther Project. Um, by the way, this this podcast is not actually a pitch on World of Esther. It's a pitch on playing and playing TTRPGs specifically, but I'm making one, so it seems natural and congruent to mention that uh, because we're making a game called The Garden of Suktu uh, that you can learn to play and play in 90 minutes with uh, you know five other friends. It's really, really fantastic. An amazing product. I'm so excited about it. Um, we're also making a game called Exile, that is more story-driven than many TTRPGs, more accessible, easier to learn. And then we're also, in the middle of all that, creating a service that matches people together to play so that you don't run into the problems of finding people to play with that is typical of the TTRPG community. So if you want to like get involved in all of that, uh, just go to Vesser.com. V-E-S-S-E-R.com and sign up for our wait list. We are starting to let people in from the wait list. You'll get an email from us when we're opening a wave that says, click here, there's so many spots. And they tend to go fast. So if you get one of those emails and you're interested, jump in. But eventually, we'll be open to everybody who wants to sign up whenever they want to sign up. But if you uh, want uh, uh, me to hold your hand through getting into TTRPGs, uh, that's the way to do it is Vester.com uh, and the waiting list. But otherwise, just go play any TTRPG. Like, get a couple of friends to try it with you. They all have like a starter set or an essentials kit uh, or, a, or a, you know, a game in a box sort of format that is simplified and easier to access and is super, super fun. I'm telling you, play and pretend is so wonderful. One of the things that has improved my mental health and got me back to the point where I can record a podcast like this is absolutely 
play and pretend. Um, actually, the thing that got me into this again was a group of listeners of the Liturgist podcast. And uh, they started a Dungeons and Dragons community to play together. Um, and I hadn't played I hadn't played these games since uh, the eighties, right? It's been a long time, and I was really nervous. And I joined their community uh, after a couple of people had sort of kindly reached out more than once. And I entered a session after creating a character which was super overwhelming and super intimidating. But then I came up with a character I loved, a Warforged rogue. So Warforged is basically like a, a fantasy medieval robot. <laughs> and a rogue is like a sneak. I had a thief. And my rogue had thieves tools built into their hand. How cool is that? It's really, really cool. And uh, I jumped into a session and... Everybody else was an experienced player, and they started doing voices, and I was so mortified. But not because I thought they were dorks. I was mortified because I was like, I could never be so confident or so skilled as to do character voices. Oh, my gosh. And they were going around the table, and I knew at some point I would have to speak up and have to talk in character. And I, how am I going to have my character talk that's different than me? Oh, no. I'm a loser. I don't even belong in this D&D game. But everybody was so kind and so supportive, I ended up playing that character uh, named Silence uh, for, for some time until Silence died. Trying to convince a dragon not to attack a town. <laughs> and uh, and then I, I made a second character uh, named Hammer, also a Warforged. Who knows? Mike likes playing robots. Uh, but this time a juggernaut, this this giant, larger-than-life warrior. Uh, and I was like, I'm going to make sure Hammer's nothing like me. Hammer is going to be morally neutral, pragmatic. Uh, like, I side with whoever it sides I need to side with to kind of advance my interests and the interests of my people. And uh, What do you know, the longer I played Hammer, the more concerned with uh, justice and the liberation of the oppressed hammer became <laughs> and we're concerned with the ethics of conflict and violence and all these things. And, um, I realized before too long hammer was becoming me, uh, without physical disabilities or the need to eat, drink or breathe. <laughs> uh, but I've learned so much from being hammer about myself and about what I care about and about what my values are. And I've done a lot of therapy y'all. And more than that, Hammer has helped me, especially after lockdown, kind of get more comfortable socializing with people again and getting out of my house and trying new things. Because if Hammer can face down a demon lord and their assembled armies, well, then I can go to a birthday party, right? <laughs> I lean into Hammer's courage sometimes in my daily life. If I'm nervous about walking into somewhere, I imagine that instead of being me, I'm an eight and a half foot tall being with metallic armor for skin. And uh, I walk with that level of confidence. You should play. You should pretend. 
you should create your own player characters and take them into fantasy worlds that aren't possible in ours. Uh, I believe that deeply, and I believe that you'll be happier if you do. If you got any questions about how to get started in TTRPGs, I'll reply to the ones I can. Just give me an email, mike at vesser.com. And uh, I'll talk to you next time. Bye, everybody.